three, two, one. Welcome to May I Be podcast, where we tell our stories, reflect, and gently call in love, courage, and joy. This is Shane. And this is Mary. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2022. Yes. Yeah, we have been away from this podcast for two weeks now. Sorry about that. Um, we took some time to just rest, spend the holidays with our families, and to finish up any sort of work items that we needed to get off our plate before we took our vacation. Yeah. And so we are back on track. We are back, and we would try to post daily. No, weekly. Not daily. Weekly. Ooh, daily. Ooh, I, don't know about, I don't know about weekly. You don't know about weekly? Oh, I mean, <laughs> okay, now we just got back and forth. Okay, well, in this episode, after having spent some time with family, you know, that gives us mm-hmm. a new reflective mood, and we want to talk about how we grew up and how our families, how our experiences shaped how we respond to the world, how we communicate, and how it affects the way we show up for others. So let's start with a little bit of our backgrounds. How was it like growing up, Shane? Yeah, um, thank you for your question. Mm-hmm. I like this interview very much. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I am a first-generation Hong American. Um, my parents were both Hong immigrants. They migrated here in 1993. Um, and so I grew up in a family of eight. I have two older brothers who were born in Thailand at refugee camps. Mm-hmm. And then they had my sister, me, and my two younger brothers here in Minnesota. Um, and so I've lived in the Midwest for my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I am the middle child, but I'm also the youngest daughter. Mm-hmm. And so my parents showered me with a lot of love and affection and they adored me because I, you know, was right? Which is <laughs> translate to the youngest daughter. Yeah. Um, and I was just a very obedient, cute kid. Um, and I was very funny. Um, I got that from my dad. And so they couldn't help but love me more than anyone else. Okay. <laughs> just, is your I'm dad the funny one or is your mom the funny one? Well, you know, they uh, growing up, my dad was a funny one. My oh. mom was a really strict one. But oh. now... Um, flipped? It flipped. <laughs> it really did. Um, so I, I find that growing up, I had my dad's sense of humor. Mm. And then as I grew up, as, as I have grown older, um, I have a lot more of my mom's sense of humor. Oh. Yeah. Or I guess, like, the goofiness, like, if you see me in person and you know me in person, mm-hmm. I'm, like, a very, I guess, like, active, I, I like to talk with my hands and my body. That's my dad's sort of, like, oh, humor. He his talk, mannerisms. Yeah, his mannerisms. He talks with his body. He likes to do goofy stuff, you know. <laughs> so that's where I get it from. And then with my mom, it's humor through our, our mouths, I guess. <laughs> <The way you laughs> of talk. course. The way we talk. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Yeah. What about you, Mary? So I am also Hmong American. Uh, My parents are um, Hmong immigrants. They came to the United States um, from Laos. Or was it Thailand? I have no idea. You know, Hmong people move around. (laughs) I don't know the... You should know. I know. (laughs) I know. It's just... It's hard. I need to record their story so that I remember it Mm -hmm. and nail it into my head. I know that these stories are important. But I'm pretty sure they were um, there from Laos. And then... Uh, yeah, they came to the U.S., and I 
grew up in a family of 11. I have two brothers and six sisters. Wow. I know. It's a big family. I am the second child, so I'm the, um, I'm actually the eldest daughter or sister. My parents, um, yeah, they came here with nothing. <laughs> and they always... Same. Yeah. Yeah. They always reiterated, we came here to give you all a better life. We've made many sacrifices. And so I kind of carried that with me throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say my parents also echoed the same thing, maybe mm-hmm. in a nicer way. <laughs> yeah, I know. My parents were really intense about it. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't call them like the traditional stereotypical tiger parent, the way that they portray it for East mm-hmm. East Asians, right? Uh, but my parents prioritized education. And so I, um, that's even how I organize my life, to be honest. Like I see my life in what grade I was in. Like I remember events by grade. But yeah, my parents emphasized the importance of education and that's what I carried with me for throughout my childhood and adolescence and of course adulthood. Um, but yeah. Did you ever get the stereotypical uh, push from your parents to become a doctor, lawyer, yeah, whatever? Yeah, they've, they've said it multiple times yeah. to me and like my siblings growing up, but mm-hmm. I think I was just... I was just the type of person who was just like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah. I will become who I want to become. Mm-hmm. And being a, a doctor, lawyer, whatever is not for me because I hate mm-hmm. science. I think that was one of the things oh. that I knew right away is mm-hmm. don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and I don't like any of these subjects. Yeah. So I can't envision myself becoming these people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Dang. You know? I love that you knew as a child that you weren't interested at all in those things. But for me, I mean, I'm, I know that you grew up obedient too, right? Mm-hmm. But I was very obedient in my own way as well. Mm-hmm. And education was one of those things. My parents were like, you're going to become a doctor. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, do, I'll it. do it. I'll take on the task. And I actually like science, right? But I sucked at math. Like that's, I was okay at it until college. That was when I realized, oh shit, math, math is not my thing. But anyways, yeah. But do doctors do math? No, but I'm then you kidding. have to pass math classes, <laughs> I'm right? Yeah, I'm sure they do. And there's math in chemistry, and ugh, hate chemistry. Anyways, getting off topic, but yeah, it was drilled into me from a young age that I must become successful, and I must pursue medicine or law or engineering, and then like I kind of narrowed it down to, okay, I'll try medicine, Like, but those were the only three options that were given to me, right, were, were, were fed to me, um, were laid out to me that, yeah, this is it, and so... I remember applying for college and my essays would be about that like first generation first generation immigrant narrative right and um yeah i felt that it did make sense to chase this dream that my parents had for me and i didn't question it until until college really but it was a lonely journey up to that point too of from point where yeah i'll do it for my family because i care about my family i love my parents to the point where oh my god i'm not I'm not, this isn't it for me. I can't do this. It's not the dream I have for myself. And I, it was so hard to even get out of bed to go to my classes. I felt unmotiv- unmotivated. Like that, I have never felt that way before until college because I was studious my whole life. I was a great student. And then all of a sudden, like I didn't even want to do my homework. I didn't want to show up for class. I skipped taking tests and that all led to me withdrawing from those classes and man it was like an identity crisis in college 
I had to accept that I couldn't do those. I couldn't do that dream. Mm. I couldn't like pursue that dream for my parents because I was unhappy. I was miserable. I was so depressed. But yeah, growing up, education is priority. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Mary. Yeah. What about you, Shang? How was it like? Yes, I had my own struggles growing up as a Hong American daughter. Mm. Um, And I guess it started really young. Um, Mm. I think I just grew up. I guess, you know, I jotted down, you know, being in denial of my identities. But I think what I really struggled with growing up was just not having the vocabularies and and not knowing what I was going through. Um, and so, as you know, I, I said already multiple times, you know, I am from a Hmong immigrant family. Yeah. Uh, my parents, or I guess I grew up in a low class family, um, and I didn't even know that there were classes, mm. right? And so I just grew up thinking that everybody had the same sort of income that mm-hmm. we did. You know, all of my relatives, my aunts and uncles, everyone, or like my cousins, um, I thought that our lives were very similar mm. because of the way that we grew up. Um, and so I knew that my parents worked hard laborers, factory jobs, mm-hmm. and that they worked really hard and for long hours and they hustled day mm-hmm. in, day out. Um, outside of working at, you know, their company jobs, they... Um, would do they would bring home um, these like paper like items sort of like work mm-hmm. um, and so we would as kids help my parents uh, build these folders and um, mm-hmm. put together these like sort of like notepads and things like that to get extra income mm-hmm. um, and that was like that was like a dream for me because as a kid, I had no money, but I desired a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted, like, teddy bears, and mm-hmm. I wanted, like, I don't know, new clothes or whatever, like, especially during the school season. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, Mom, we need to go to the store to go buy new clothes. I don't want to go to school without any new clothes. You know, what if people make fun of me, mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z? I didn't understand that my parents didn't have that luxury mm-hmm. of affording that, and so... That's why they were hustling so hard. Yeah. And for me, growing up as a stupid, dumb kid who was always spoiled, you know, um, I, I was just like, oh, this is fun. This is all fun <laughs> and games. They, my parents just want to bring these, like, work home for us to teach us how to be um, or have better work ethics and work hard for our money, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I guess that's one of the good things that came out of it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say it was hard. I was very ignorant. Um <laughs> And, you know, as, as we grew up, um, I remember just moving from house to house, um, and then also living for a short amount of time with our relatives for a while. Um, and then eventually my parents were able to buy a home that, or a house that we were, we would call home, right? Um, and just being a dumb kid, I didn't really I I guess not a dumb kid but yeah I, yeah, I need to be kinder to myself yes, Stop calling yourself uh, dumb. yes exactly <laughs> child. I was a child I'm not dumb I, I was <laughs> yeah I just didn't know um but I remember vividly um as a kid 
my parents would always buy stacks of like rectangular palm sugar and store it in the kitchen. Mm. And on days where we didn't have anything to eat, um, they would give us a little piece of that palm sugar. <laughs> I'm getting teary. Oh. But yeah, we would get a little bit of that palm sugar and eat it with rice and water. Water, yes. Water. <laughs> rice and water. Manjere is what we call it. Mom. Yeah. Um, and that was my favorite meal mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, sorry, give me. Ooh, I need a. You don't need to apologize. Calm down. But yeah. Um, and thinking back to it now, you know, um, it was one of my favorite memories, but at the same time, it's so sad to think about. We got tissues here. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Give me a sec. Woo. But yeah. Um, and so I just, I think for the longest time, I couldn't think about uh, my childhood mm. because it, I think I was just in denial mm. of um, yeah wanting to or like not wanting to admit that oh my family was um, very poor growing up mm. um, and it I think it has to do with just feeling ashamed of where I came from and how I grew up Um, because you know the media portrays um, American families to you know have nice things kids grow up having X, Y, and Z and I'm just like well if I share my stories with you know my for example my white colleagues at my one of my old jobs um, how would they view me? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having that sort of judgment, um, or I guess I didn't want that sort of judgment, and so I just sort of repressed all of my memories. And yeah, here we are talking about it now. Oh, thank you, Shane, for sharing. Uh, That's such a vulnerable story. It's hard for you to tell. I yeah. can tell. Yeah, I think I got off track there. No, but, that, that uh, was beautiful. Thank uh, you for sharing. Uh, I love that too. When you first told me that story, I was, I can relate to that feeling, that feeling of feeling ashamed of being poor. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, we're going to cry. I remember too, moments like that, where it was like a secret, Mm -hmm. at school especially. Right. And so that's why it was like, Mom, Dad, can you go buy new clothes? So, in my mind, so that the kids at school don't know I'm poor. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> can I put yeah. up this, can you help me put up this front that mm-hmm. we're not poor? Right. Maybe just for the first two weeks of school yeah. and then nobody will care about what I wear anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like I remember growing up, um, I mean, there were many moments where my family became homeless. Mm. I know that that's not a word that maybe my siblings would describe it as because when you're in it, you don't really 
name it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you don't, right? Yeah. You don't name that experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but yeah, after a lot of reflecting, we were homeless. We didn't have a place to call home. We didn't have a place of our own to claim. And so we ended up living with my mom's parents here and there. And yeah, I remember even in a relationship that I was in, I lied to my then partner that, no, I'm not living with my grandparents. They're living with us. Right. You know? Like, I, I remember you told me. Yeah, that. like that shame runs so deep. And who you tell your story and your truth to, mm-hmm. like, matters too. Because I, I, I didn't even know it then, but looking back, like, wow, I didn't even feel like I could trust my then partner to tell him the truth shit that's that's deep but yeah and I think I think that's why we try so hard now yeah to show up for our families Mm -hmm. and to um, try to build build generational wealth right Mm -hmm. I think that um, yeah that's why my parents always like that's why I understand why they reiterate education is important, mm-hmm. get a good job, make good right. money. Because they don't want us to feel the way that we that they felt, that mm-hmm. we felt as kids. Like maybe in a way they didn't know that we felt we felt it, but as kids we felt it. Right. We felt, felt that, pressured to yeah, meet felt the pressure. Yeah. We felt like we didn't have enough. Mm-hmm. We knew that we didn't have money. <sighs> yeah. It reminds me of Dave Chappelle too. You know that one? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, fools of growing up poor. Where he wanted to go to school and he needed three dollars. <laughs> he asked his dad and his dad was like, I don't have three dollars. <laughs> and then yeah. And he was like, What? You don't have three dollars? <laughs> I'll be alive. I'll be alive, Dad. <laughs> and then his dad pointed him to the piggy bank and he was like here, take whatever you need from there. Then yeah. he went to school it's, counting pennies. Yeah, yeah. so relatable. Uh, uh, seriously. Yeah, uh, so growing up with that, like, not having enough and then feeling the need to work hard so that we can take care of our mm-hmm. families, like, I could see how that played out into our adulthood. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that... Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to go to college as well. Um, no one in my family was college educated. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my aunts and uncles, you know, none of, or like, you know, they were all Hong immigrants as well. And um, most of them barely even graduated high school. And my parents, um, my dad had to drop out of high school to work to feed the kids. And then mm-hmm. my mom went to high school briefly until she, you know, got pregnant. And then mm-hmm. she, dropped out and you know I would hear people talk about college um and about how important it is to go to college Mm -hmm. and I knew it was important but I didn't really like think oh um this is I it wasn't it wasn't like I don't know I I think I used college as a way out Mm. of like poverty Mm. um and yeah of course if it was like, oh, if I do this, then I'll emerge out of the other side. Right. Successful uh, and rich. <laughs> exactly. Or it was hopefully, yeah, hopefully place myself in a position where I can uplift my family and uplift mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I was reflecting on my experience um, 
you know, deciding where I wanted to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I remember very clearly um, when I was thinking about college, I was thinking about the white American, like, experience Mm -hmm. of what college is, right, Mm -hmm. and what would happen at college. Um, And so I, I remember, like, yearning for having or like wanting to have a white roommate wanting to <laughs> date a white boy uh, wanting to go to dorm parties wow. wanting to join a like uh, a sorority mm. you know um and so when i you know got to or got accepted to the college that i wanted to go to um i learned that there was um, the option to live in a living learning community just for Hmong students, right? And I was so torn because I was like, <laughs> well, if I decide to live in this living learning community that I'm pretty sure will serve my needs mm-hmm. and pair me up with a, a Hmong roommate who I can relate to and who will, who they will probably have the same sort of like background and experiences that I have, mm-hmm. it will probably make my college life a lot easier. Um, I could go there or I could choose, you know, my, what I really want is the white American college experience, Mm. right? And that was, it was playing so hard or like very strong in in my mind, right? And so um, I I debated for a while. Mm. I did. And then as, you know, I don't know if you guys can tell, but me and Mary were here. So I chose like Jame Hong, which is the Hong House Living mm-hmm. Learning Community. Yeah. Um, and you got me. I, I got you. <laughs> and you inspire me every day. And you are way better. I already know for oh sure. Gosh. I'm just very grateful um, that I chose that route mm-hmm. and that whoever was guiding me, my spirits, my ancestors, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, was pushing me towards that route Mm -hmm. I'm very blessed and lucky to have met you and then also everyone in college that I did and to find the community that I needed Mm -hmm. to support me in college um, because it was hard right being a first generation Mm -hmm. college student is a whole nother experience right Um, having to navigate a totally different environment Gaining independence and freedom for the first time outside of your your family yeah. and your parents. Um, After being, growing up so sheltered. Yeah. yeah. And being able to stay out as late as you want, sleep wherever you want, <laughs> do whatever you want. Go, go out, out, explore, yeah. take a bus yeah. to the To the, city, to the mall. <laughs> Hell yeah. I know. Like, uh, college is so eye-opening. And I'm right. too, like, so blessed mm. and grateful for that experience because I got a best friend from it. Yes. Yeah, uh, Shang, if you know, <laughs> is that roommate. Yeah, it's funny because we knew each other, knew of each other in high right. school because I was a new kid. That, yeah, anyways, yeah, we knew of each other in high school, but then we didn't become really good friends until college. So, yeah, that really did a huge service for, for me. For anyways, me getting yes. off tangent, uh-huh. but anyways... Going now that we are on the topic of like friendship, right? Mm-hmm. I think that part plays um, a huge, like it plays a huge role in shaping who we are too. Because as a kid, I did not have many friends because my family moved around a lot, and you know, every time they moved, we moved. We didn't even have. I didn't even understand the reason why we moved. There was never a legitimate reason. I just knew that I grew up very in a very unstable kind of way where Mm. 
as soon as we get to a place and get familiar and get a little comfortable with it, we have to get uprooted again and relocate. And so I went to so many different schools. I think about like five elementary schools, two middle schools, and three different high schools in my whole life, right? And so like as a kid, like that, you can imagine what that does to a child mm-hmm. with that instability and with um, the lack of of community and of a social network right mm-hmm. I did not have any friends at all and so I retracted became more reserved became more socially awkward didn't know how to talk to anybody and even at home too I didn't have anybody to talk to and I in in a way like I was eventually I think as a teen or preteen, you start to feel like okay yeah it's not normal to be a loner Cause like even in elementary school, I didn't play with the kids. I would just like kind of walk around the playground and mind my own business. And I would be like sitting on the wall where the kids who have timeout would be sitting at. Mm. Just, just cause. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't want to play. I hated mm. recess and lunchtime. I would mm. be the first person to raise my hand to volunteer to wipe tables mm. during lunchtime because I didn't want to go out. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Anyways, like already as a kid, thank you, yes. <laughs> got some tissues here, mm. even as a kid, carrying or knowing that shame, that, like, oh, I didn't have, I don't have any friends, is there something wrong with me? I, I don't know, carry that, and then I remember in seventh grade, specifically, I would try to hide the fact that I am a loner because I felt embarrassed like it's that spotlight effect where you think the whole world is judging you Mm -hmm. and I didn't want people to see oh this person right here doesn't have any friends how lame you know so yeah those thoughts were with me for a very long time and so, the few years, the few like little like moments where I did end up with friends, like eighth grade was a great year because I had friends. We moved again to an area that had Hmong people. And I too remember like when I met other Hmong women, Hmong girls, I realized for the first time, oh my gosh, Hmong is beautiful. They're, we are beautiful people. Like, oh, I got this girl right here is so beautiful. And I was shook that we could be that beautiful, right? <laughs> and that was also the year I started wearing makeup, getting off topic. But, <laughs> like, I got, I made friends for the first time. I felt like, wow, I really connect with these people. Um, and then ninth grade, too, I was with, um, still with those same people in a similar area, right? Um, and it was great. It was, like, one of the best years of my, my teenage years. I started mong dancing and I felt really close to that group of friends and I really valued each one of those friends because um, I felt like I was finally seen and heard and I finally had a community so it meant a lot to me and then just to and then like the year after or that summer after freshman year my family moved again and also like during um, when I was a freshman like my family became homeless too so we were living with my grandparents those were those were one of the years that we were homeless and had to yeah had to live with them and then um yeah i was really close to those friends but unfortunately my family made the move to oklahoma 
and then I was a loner again. And then, ah, uh, it was, it was hard. It was hard. I just had a lot of, um, many lonely years as a kid and as a teen. Woo! <sighs> Anyways, yeah, I, I think that those years of being a loner, like, I, I do, like, look back and... I look at her, that version of me, and I just want to give her a big hug because she was so lonely, but she's okay now. She's okay now. It's just sad to look at that version of me. Uh, yeah. I know how to be kind because I've been through pain. <laughs> this is one yes. of those pain moments, yeah. you know, painful memories from my past. That's why I'm so grateful for the friendships I have now. And, okay. I think that leads to a personality trait too that like I have. Like you experienced it with me sophomore year of college. That was like the year where I was like a toxic friend. And who knew, right? Like Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it's like when you've <laughs> been lonely. See, we're all toxic in our own. Uh, yeah, yeah, there are certain toxic characteristics mm-hmm. that we have, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah. I value my friendships. I know how to value my friendships because of that loneliness, but at the same time, I have this like uh, attention seeking, validation seeking sort of part about me that made me toxic. But okay, I think I'm just going off topic now or off tangent. No, it's okay. But our experiences though, like family yeah. struggles that lead to like my loneliness mm-hmm. and then. Um, how that creeps in into my personality and characteristics as an adult. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to hold space for you to to take in everything and then also say thank you for being mm-hmm. so vulnerable and for sharing your story. I know it was really tough. Um, yeah. I, I remember high school uh, seeing you for the first time coming into our or into senior year mm-hmm. and we were in the same homeroom mm-hmm. but um we did not click then. Yeah. We definitely did not click. I actually I, only saw you as, oh, she's that chick's friend. Because I knew your friend first right, before you. <laughs> right. I know. And then you were the new girl. And yeah. we were like, oh, let's go introduce ourselves. Right? Mm-hmm. And then things didn't work out. It didn't pan out the, the way that me and my friend thought it was going <laughs> to go off. And we were just like, it's okay. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, But I, you know, I think thinking back, I didn't also didn't really know what you were going through and so uh, yeah honestly that senior year of high school too I joined so many clubs yeah you did and I in my own way tried to Mm. make friends but it didn't work out and so it kind of took me back to that moment in seventh grade where you know how I would hide from people I would hang out in the bathroom during lunchtime so that I wouldn't be seen Mm. I did that again at that school so uh, as a senior yeah because yeah. I was just like I'm sick of this I don't want to be seen right now because yeah that's where I went to go when I was ditching class <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking the same thing I didn't see you in there <laughs> <laughs> well I guess like your lunchtime wasn't during my class yeah, time, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding but yeah thank you um, mm-hmm. because all of those experiences have brought you to me <laughs> and or I guess in college, you know, I think that's where our friendship really bloomed. And yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't flowers and butterflies no. right off the bat. Mm-hmm. We definitely took a week of 
just uh, getting comfortable around sussing, each other. Yeah. Sussing the, uh, the environment, <laughs> the atmosphere. I'm just like, well, I know her from high school, but yeah. we didn't really click. I don't know if I'm actually going to get along with her. I'm scared, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's... I think it didn't really help, too, because I think you just naturally have a resting bitch face. Not at all. Oh, my God. Uh, resting bitch face is real. Uh, RBF. And so I think it, it was hard for me to read your emotions, right? Because mm-hmm. I tend to show my emotions in my face mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it, through my words, yeah. you know? And so, and I was such a, like, um, energetic, like, time bomb. Um, and, yeah, you were a ball of yeah, energy. I was a you ball were of like, energy. But you were radiant. I was like, you are off. radiant. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I was bouncing off the, off the walls and on the bed and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but I love that yeah. too. Like, I, yeah. I know that it's kind of getting very yeah. off, but. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like this dark and gloomy I rain know. cloud <laughs> coming down the corner. <laughs> I know. What's that anime, animated movie about emotions? Like, um. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that gloomy girl. Mm. That, that was totally me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah. grateful that, you know, your family moved to Minnesota and that we Yeah, I know. Like, after the move from out of California, we came to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We went to Oklahoma, and then I was there for two years, and that was, like, lonely two years. I just, yeah, I delved into books as my, as my um, refuge, mm-hmm. and then came to Minnesota. Things happen for a reason. If I look back, I, yeah. everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess um, going along the, the line of friendship, mm-hmm. um, I would say, I guess my story sort of relates there. Mm-hmm. Not that I had, like, trouble making friends, but I think I, I struggled interacting with the opposite gender from me. Mm-hmm. Gender as in cisgender male person Mm -hmm. um because you know i i would say i grew up disliking men Mm. um and that this this contentment with these men in my life Mm -hmm. was because of the patriarchy and home culture right um i think growing up my parents just groomed me to be a proper housewife very early on Mm -hmm. they um taught me how to cook and clean and um, take care of my younger siblings at a very early age, like probably around the age of like seven or eight, right? Uh, I was just in elementary school, just trying to be a kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you know, my parents, they, I can't blame them for, you know, their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that has taken me a really long time. But back then I was kind of like, I don't understand why you're forcing me to do do all of these mm-hmm. or to learn all of these I need to go do my homework I just want to play you know but yeah. my mom was like you need to learn how to cook rice so that you know one day when you go marry um, you know how to cook for your family and feed them because if you don't they're going to judge you and then they're going to send you back mm-hmm. right you don't want to be a woman who is sent back to oh, her family my gosh, now yeah. you're just half of a woman now if oh. you're sent back right my parents threatened me with that all right. the time my parents too yeah. um and so, although, you know, yes, they showered me with love and, and everything, <laughs> there was also, there's always a good and a bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was very argumentative growing up with my parents. That's why, you know, a while ago when we were talking about have your parents ever like, told you to be a doctor or yeah. whatnot, I, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I don't want to do that because mm-hmm. you don't get to tell me what I can and cannot 
be or yeah. like do because um, I'm sick of it, right? <laughs> um, because, you know, every time my parents would force me and my sister to um, clean up after everyone and to cook for everyone and to do all of these things while everybody else just sat around, mm-hmm. um, I would always question them. I'm just like, why are the boys just like sitting around playing games they're not even doing their homework i have homework to do i don't understand Mm. why you can't just tell them to come wash their own dishes Mm. why is that so hard or why can't we just separate out the the chores by like person by day whatever um and their response was always you're a girl you're gonna marry into a different family one day and if you don't know how to do all of these things oh you're there you're like your new family is gonna say that you're a lazy like daughter-in-law mm-hmm. sister-in-law whoever um and then they're gonna send you back mm-hmm. right and we don't want you know, like a daughter who is sent back mm-hmm. um and i just hated that i was just like that is not a good enough reason for my brothers to just be like treated as kings i don't right. understand um and so i i was struggling for the hardest time you know why why men in our in our F culture in our i don't know yeah yeah um are being treated and all, are being put on this pedestal mm. when we are all equals are yeah. we not you know um yeah and so i struggled with that and so i grew up just very just resenting my brothers because they never helped out mm. but i you know now i can't blame it because that's how my family has enabled them right Mm -hmm. um and just very wary of marriage in general Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of like i don't want to marry into a Hmong family if they're going to judge me for not knowing how to cook something or to clean up after everyone i don't want to be a slave Mm -hmm. that's not who i am um and so i i really i think growing up with that i started distancing myself from all of the the men in my life or Mm -hmm. just boys and guys in Mm -hmm. general right Yes, I was attracted to them, but at the same time, um, the thought of dating one um, and then also getting married to one was like, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And that's why, you know, I also like was having these ideas of, oh, maybe if I date outside of the race, Mm. I won't have to put up with any of the shit, you Mm. know, because white men will treat me better, treat me (laughs) as an equal, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) What the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. You know, but as I grew older, um, I also started to notice things that I disliked in men. Mm. Um, just like traits. But I guess not in all men, but um, just the men around me, right? Yeah. And so, you know, um, I just, I, yeah, I just couldn't stand. Um, I just, I think I just experienced so much like for example we would go to family gatherings growing up and i would see all of the ladies um setting up the the table because at home gatherings yep. they set up a long table um with plates of food yep. and only the men gets to sit at the tables yep. right and there are women who are serving them or yep. like re, um, refilling. refilling the plates and then after the men eat at the table um, they get up and they go outside and they hang out and do whatever. They don't help clean or anything yep. of that sort. They leave their plates on the table and the women are expected to come and clean everything, right? Yeah. And, and then grind. they can eat. Yeah, and then they can eat, right? Yeah. Or 
Yeah, I it just pissed me off. Or they had to eat on like the off schedule of the men. Yeah, whatever the men were doing at the table, and that just pissed me off so much mm-hmm. that I was like, I hate Hmong men. I hate men in general. I you know yeah. I I hate Hmong culture, mm-hmm. um, and I started to really distance myself from from everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I just started. It it was sort of like a spiral of everything, right? Where I was just kind of like, no, Hmong men are lazy and <laughs> they are bad. And if they do, if they don't help their family or their, like, um, their sisters out mm-hmm. at family gatherings, they must be lazy or they mm-hmm. must not. It was just like these X, yeah. Y, and Z sort of things, They must right? be exactly like the men I right. saw Right, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I, it was, I didn't have a lot of, like guy friends or mm-hmm. close guy friends um growing up i i got along with if you if you saw me interacting with people um i interacted with guys the same way i interacted with girls i yeah. was very flirtatious i was easy to talk to and whatnot but deep down inside um i knew that i couldn't have a one-to-one conversation with a, a guy by myself mm. um it was always in a group setting um that I would feel comfortable talking to two people mm-hmm. or to like men in general, but if it was just me and another person or like me and the guy sitting in a room together, mm-hmm. I would feel very uncomfortable. I wouldn't know what to talk about, mm-hmm. and I still feel those tendencies now as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I think one thing I have learned, um, and that is through my partner, who <laughs> is, uh, yeah, sister, Hmong men, <laughs> Hmong men um, is that. I, he, he made me, he helped me realize that I was being very judgmental towards a lot of the Hmong men in my life mm. because I wasn't being empathetic towards how they grew up as well, right? Mm. I was just judging them based off of what I learned and knew and how I grew up. Um, and yeah, I, it was hard. I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, he also helped me just realize that yes. Hmong men were not taught to, you know, help Hmong women wash dishes and X, Y, and Z and things like that. But it's also because we have, you're dealing with different generations, right? You're basing your experience with the older generation, with your parents' generation, and putting that sort of expectation onto, like, our generation. Um, And there are people in our generation that are very helpful and who are... um, conscious of, of all of that yeah. um, and we are the ones who have to change our narratives um, yeah. and then also you know um, that men they although they don't help out the same way that women do at events um, they also play their own roles right mm-hmm. I've learned that a lot of younger Hmong generation or Hmong men hate sitting at the table they don't want to sit at the table mm-hmm. right or they don't believe in that mm-hmm. but then because of respect for the older generation and whatnot um you know it's just a role that we play at these events it's not who we are Mm -hmm. and i have learned to (laughs) be more open-minded um and yeah i and yeah and to not be so um close i guess close-minded and then judgmental of everyone and everything um yeah you've learned from it you're more I aware have, i am more aware yeah. of it um and then also just of my role yeah 
and other people's roles and just because they play this role doesn't mean that's who they are. Mm-hmm. It's just, and then also the things that I experience are just one instance of their lives. Mm-hmm. And who am I to judge them for yeah. all of that, right? Um, yeah. yeah, the way we grew up really affects how we um, communicate with other people, right? And how yeah. we respond to other yeah. people and how we judge other people. Yeah. I guess that's a great example of um, a type of destructive belief. Oh, right. yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. uh, with our own experiences and depending on what it is, we may develop these destructive behaviors mm-hmm. or beliefs. And so, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, For me, like, I, I know that I've always struggled with my short temper. Mm-hmm. And I've had my, like, anger moments, too, where I'm just reeling, right? And um, I've, I also have my rebellious moments. I mean, who hasn't as a kid or as yeah. a teen? And, um, yeah, I think that my brain is also wired in some type of way where, like, the result of my low self-esteem growing up, uh, as a result of, like, neglect or a a lack of, um, validation or even emotional or verbal abuse from, directly from my parents, um, yeah, shaped my low self-esteem. And then my negative assumptions of, about people, um, were really coming from a place of judgment that I had for myself, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Dead. Yeah. And so with feeling unworthy, I yeah, just thought that I wasn't worthy of anyone's worthy of anyone's attention and then growing up feeling like um like I just had such a pessimistic view of people and I, I it turned into a warped kind of defense mechanism that affected my friendships, affected how like my um how I connect with people. I wasn't able to connect with people much at all growing up. Um, and I even saw how I, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, showed up in really toxic ways with you and with my boyfriend. And it, sh- it shaped into expectations that I had for, for you, for my boyfriend, for anybody really. Um, and so I think that a destructive behavior or thought pattern that I had, yeah, growing up was definitely like, I just was super pessimistic and I had all this like pent up anger inside right oh yeah I remember that yeah no I'm just kidding <laughs> thank I goodness know. you're done with that I know like, uh, I know I'm just kidding. but yeah with like our parents mm-hmm. and with our community and the way that we navigate uh, school they all yeah shaped I think, have an important role in shaping who we are today well, no matter the bad experience um, and destructive beliefs that we unfortunately, I don't know, had growing mm-hmm. up, there are some like good things because I know I learned how to be kind and, and I'm grateful for the experiences that I have right. and everything happens for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. So with knowing and being aware of all of that and still doing the healing work, what advice uh, would you give to your younger self? Yes. So I think for me, uh, um, I would give myself two advice mm-hmm. right now um, is to let go of your own idea of who you should be mm-hmm. and to just live your best life now um, yeah. yeah and then another advice would be to be kind and have compassion for other people you don't know how they have lived their lives until now and what has what has happened to them like Oprah's book what happened to you mm-hmm. and being compassionate um, and they don't live in yours and so don't judge people based off of these moments in time that you interact with them because that's not who they are 
and that's also not who you are. Um, yeah. yeah. And we're all just doing our best. And mm. that's enough. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Mary, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, this question actually reminded me of a song that I heard recently. Uh, it's called Only a Lifetime by Phineas. It's Billie Eilish, his older brother. But it goes, it's only a lifetime. That's only a while. It's not worth the anger you felt as a child. So that really hit me to the core because it just reminds me, yeah, I, I carry a lot of anger towards my parents, towards myself um, for a lot of things growing up. So I just want to tell my younger self, don't hold on to the negative. Give yourself permission to do what you want to do and give yourself the love that you keep waiting for. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Thank you, Shane. Yes. I appreciate you. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate yeah. you too. That's all that we have for you all today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to follow our Instagram at mayib podcast subscribe to our youtube channel you can listen to us on anchor spotify apple Podcasts, or jesse spotify mm-hmm. or google podcast yeah. all right thank you so much thank you. bye bye